What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, just your neighborly normal guy who happens to have a lazy eye here chatting with a much, much cooler person. And today is especially that case, but with a much more interesting story. I'm super excited. Today's guest is one of Boston's finest and start spreading the good news because Boston will be reopening this weekend. So I thought perfect timing to bring on this week's guest. She is the mastermind behind the very, very popular Instagram account, East Coast Feast Coast. That's right. Lena Sternberg is here on today's show to chat all about what life behind a very, very popular Instagram food blog pages like we talk a lot about Boston's finest restaurants finest spots we don't want to pick favorites we just have some things that we enjoy so definitely go recommend you checking out any of the places that Lena recommends especially if you're here in the city I do have to say I do think Boston and I know I'm going to get people telling me I'm wrong here but I do think Boston has the best food in the country I'm sorry. I'm sure there are great spots elsewhere. I'm sure each of those places have their kind of uh, spotlights. But I think overall, all around, Boston has the best. So without further ado, here is an incredible interview with the one and only East Coast Feast Coast. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. Well, everybody, the queen of East Coast Eats is here. Lena Sternberg, better known as the mastermind behind the popular social media alias East Coast Feast Coast, joins us today on the podcast. She hails from this great city of Boston, Massachusetts, and is here to talk about everyone's favorite topic, food and travel. Lena, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I am too. I'm excited to have another Boston, Boston own on the podcast. And uh, before we get into everything that's going on and everything that you've done with the page and your career, let's chat about like how you've gotten to where you are today. I think that's the best places to start at the beginning of someone's story. So, you know, you grew up, like I said, right outside of Boston in Newton, Massachusetts. Uh, What was life like in the Sternberg household? Was everyone keen on travel and food as much as you are today? Or like, what was that like growing up? Um, So I always say I kind of had the perfect split from my two grandmothers because my mom's mom was a pastry chef. And so she would come to visit and we would literally buy like 10 pound bags of flour and we would just bake the whole time. And my mom is an amazing cook. So I did a ton of cooking with her. My dad's mom, who is to this day, she's 91. She's my best friend, had zero interest in cooking. And so she, we would exclusively go out to eat. And so I would always joke, like I was eating at like the best restaurants when I was nine and had no yeah. idea. So it kind of, I think that definitely kind of molded me into the interest in food that I have. We definitely traveled as a family, but food is always the priority and like the main focus of my account. And I hope it remains that way. And it, I see, I like think of them when I cook or when I eat at a nice place. So that's kind of what formed that. I love that. And like, I think parents and grandparents alike have such like a honor and pride to them when their kid eats like at a nice restaurant. Like yeah. I'll never forget we, when I was like, I was like, I was about to turn 13 because I, t- I asked my dad if I could have my 13, 13th birthday party at this place. But we went out to Ariel at uh, the Mandalay Bay in Vegas. And like, I had probably the best piece of salmon I'll ever eat to this day. And like, 
the chef actually came out and was like, I couldn't believe that a 13 year old was eating my food. And my dad's sitting there like all like prestigious. He's like, yes, that is my son. I mean, I like, I, we always, I mean, I'm the favorite, not like, I'm sorry if my cousins watch this, but I'm the favorite. And like, but my grandma's always like, this is my granddaughter. Yeah. She works in food now. I taught her everything she knows. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, so before kind of coming back to Boston, you went out to college at Indiana University, you studied public relations, advertising, and applied communications. The whole time you were in school, was the goal to be where you are today? Like, was this always the, like, the mindset after graduating, I want to be a content creator and a food blogger? No. And I think <laughs> primarily because it just wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I graduated in 2016. I graduated high school in 2012. And there were, I remember like hungry bitches was a thing. And infatuation was a thing. That was literally it. And so I've always loved food, as I said, and I was putting food on my own account and everyone was like, that's not what it's for. Right. I took <laughs> pictures of a bagel and locks. Like, and I remember I, it's like, I wish it was a more amazing story, but I was sitting in bed. I didn't want to study for finals. And I was like, fine, I'll just make a separate account for food. Mm-hmm. And I did it. And I posted like 10 horrible, horrible photos that if you really want to scroll 3000 posts down, you can go see. Um, and then I forgot about it. Uh-huh. And then I studied abroad in Barcelona, my junior year. And my dad um, has like a cinematography background and he's really talented. So he kind of taught me how to use a camera. And so then I tried to do that a little more. And then I'll never forget that infatuation reposted a picture of these waffles that I got in Brussels and I got like a thousand followers. Wow. And I had like, 400 before yeah. that. they were all people that knew me through someone like I, I did not have a single like follower um sure. then I got hyper competitive with myself and I wanted to see you know how much I could make this grow but no this was never a goal I think if it had existed it would have been something that I would have been interested in because this is really the culmination of everything that I love to do but um it didn't it wasn't even like on the horizon until my junior year and it wasn't even something I considered to do full-time until after I graduated yeah, like what were the steps that you took, po- like post grad life? I mean, because like, like let's 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 think about this here for a second. Because like Rome wasn't built in the day, as the saying goes, right? And I think the same kind of goes in terms of like a running a successful content page, and especially as the same as yours. Like I think from a viewer's lens, it can seem like this is a seamless process. This is like oh, she got lucky because someone reposted hers, right. or and I'm I'm and having done these interviews, I know that that's not the case. So. When we, when we look at it from like a microscopic lens, how did you really build the page's credibility and to really capture that kind of organic following? Yeah. um, I mean, I like to think that I have always been a part of the brand. I think that, you know, I've always been really, I've had a voice kind of the whole time and I tried to use puns and I, you know, tried to put my face on as much as possible and and kind of like make you feel like you knew me in a way, which I think helped. Um, but yeah, after college, I graduated, I was working, I took a few jobs at like, I took a job at a PR firm, but then I remember I had hit around 80,000 followers and I got a couple paid opportunities. And that was just, again, something that was just not even on my, on my radar. Right. Did those. And I really started to see, like, think, wonder if I could do this full time. And so I decided to live at home for a year, save up that money and see if I could. And I've been doing it full time ever since, but I definitely think like, you know, I, I worked really, really hard. I still work really, really hard. It's, it's not a nine to five. Um, but yeah, just, I guess, being myself and taking that leap and, you know, knowing like I wasn't going to be lucrative 
right off the bat was something that is kind of hard to tell people now. They're like, I want to do this and I want to make money and I want to do this, show me how. And I'm like, there was, there were months that I, I mean, years that I made zero dollars and zero cents. So, you mm-hmm. know, you have to build that up. And I think that that was good in the end because, you know, I had that credibility. It wasn't just like paid advertisements at the beginning. Yeah, right. And I think the credibility is a huge thing, whether it's, and some, you have to have some level of authenticity, right? I think the, like, and especially when at a page like food or travel, where you can post these great pictures of places you've been or food that you've eaten. But I think like having a face behind the brand is super important too. Cause like anyone can post great food pictures. Yeah. I mean, not anyone, but <laughs> you know, you can get talented enough to it do it. You apart. I mean, no one can post me. Right. Exactly. That's, I think that's Not that, like, I'm that amazing, to them, but like it, no one else is doing it. So it's just something to set me apart. Exactly. Exactly. So let's, let's talk about the food first and then we'll get into some, some travel. What, like, as we just talked about, like posting the perfect food picture, like obviously the cam, the camera eats first, but like what, go- <laughs> what goes into kind of that perfect aesthetically pleasing picture that everyone wants to put on their story like you said you were putting on your personal page but everyone's like put it put it on a separate page like I'll follow those the photos had like a Valencia filter <laughs> I don't know if I call those, like the perfect photo those are archived like, <laughs> archived. Um, yeah I mean you know it's funny because for as I said my dad taught me how to use like a camera camera and right. I, for a while and I, I'm happy that I have those skills but the iPhone is so great now and I've noticed that I think people kind of almost like those photos more I think Mm. that they feel more attainable like sometimes if things are too professional it looks more like an ad Mm. um and obviously there are exceptions to that but just for the most part I think you know you can't beat natural lighting unless you have like a studio which I don't even have a studio I have a trifold poster board that I like organize (laughs) set up um but yeah just having natural light and having you know just a handle on how to edit a little bit I really think that anyone could do this. I mean, it, uh, not like anyone could do this, but it's not, not attainable. If you really, really, right. really wanted to, to dedicate time into learning how to take the perfect photo, Definitely. But a few editing apps. I mean, I have Photoshop, but I don't use it nearly as often as Lightroom. Um, and just you know, practice. Do I've been doing it for six years. So. Yeah, exactly. I think time, I think the, uh, the practice, you know, practice what you're doing. It definitely helps. Do you find yourself, do you like us? Do you, do you like posting a certain type of food or um, like, do you feel that your followers like to have a certain type of food that you post or like a certain recipe or a style of food? Oh yeah. I mean, any, <laughs> I say anything that has some movement. So anything that's dripping or, you know, spilling over or melting those, I think tend to do the best. Um, you know, I'm still having this tug of war with video content and with all the new platforms and stuff. Like I love a good photo, but you know, people are, and especially younger people are really interested in that, that video content. So I'm trying to gear my, my stuff more that way. But um, yeah, I I think people like things that are eye-catching. It needs to be doing something. There needs to be some sort of movement, even if it's just a photo. Yeah. I think, I think like, I think back to the days of the like OG tasty videos that we saw on Facebook and like that type of content, like people are still gravitating to that style and like even now with Fast short fo- grilled cheese with cheese on top yeah <laughs> over it yeah yeah and like you know you know going from 
kind of those long, I mean, you know, my parents, I'm sure your parents too, watch the Food Network, the 30 minute cooking show, where nowadays people are like, show me what you can do in, in 45 seconds. I don't have this kind yeah, of time. They're like, you get a rat and a piece of licorice and I need you to make asabuco. <laughs> exactly. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, but I think another hobby that people have had here in this pandemic is, I think we'd be remiss to not talk about uh, charcuterie boards. <laughs> I've seen them on your page a little bit and I've seen them all over. Yeah. I've seen them all over uh, Instagram and TikTok. Do you like from your experience with charcuterie boards, is there a perfect balance of meat and cheese? Is there certain aspects that we need to incorporate? What makes the perfect cheese board? Um, That's a great question. I, I would say it's not so much the ratio of meat to cheese more. So you need difference in meat. So like if you're going to have, salami you would need a softer cheese or meat as well or if you're mm. doing a hard cheese like a parmesan or something or in a really strong bold cheese like a blue like you should add something that's a little more mild like a brie um because you know you want to make everyone happy or if it's just you smashing a cheese board by yourself right <laughs> uh, yeah um but yeah i mean it's definitely been booming i think it's cool um yeah, I mean, I, I've never said no to a cheese board in my life. So, oh, my girlfriend and I—that's like our—that's like our thing. If we, if we're helping with like family dinner, like if I'm over at her parents' house or we like she just came out and visited my parents, like like we'll take care of the appetizers and we'll do a cheese board. Yeah, and that's our thing. It's have awesome. You done that, so, have you done the salami rose? I haven't. I need to know. I I need to. I'm a more of a like a a classic. I need to get better at really fancying up yeah, the cheese board, so making I, it more Instagram worthy. Right. I mean, there are so many just adding things and when they are paralleled, it it's surprising how much better it looks. Like if you have a thing of grapes, don't just do a thing of grapes, do a thing of grapes down here and then a thing of grapes up here. And it's right. It's all about the many, picture. Many things you can do. And it doesn't have to be cheese and meat. I mean, I've seen candy boards. I've seen breakfast charcuterie boards. I mean, it's, it's truly a, a booming industry. Which is are fun. you, are you a charcuterie and wine type of person to watch The Bachelor or are you something else? <laughs> oh, you heard it here first people. She's, she's trying to whisper saying she doesn't watch The Bachelor and uh, it's stupid. Like, I don't care. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll edit that part out. No, I'm I, don't care. I like, I'll stand by it. I think it's, I love it. I love and it. I, like I, I don't yuck other people's yum. I yeah. watch infinite stupid shows on tv sure. but i the bachelor doesn't do it for me and i've tried and everyone <laughs> you know is like oh my god like we need to watch bachelor in paradise and i'm just sitting there like when does this end <laughs> sorry no no i love it i love the take and, and you can invite me over and i'll bring a cheese board and I'll right exactly it. there we go when this is all over we're gonna change your mind we're gonna get you on a bachelor <laughs> monday night you bring the cheese board we'll bring okay. the wine there we go yeah. does that work all right that sounds like a deal so like as someone, let's, we'll kind of shift gears here from cheese boards to something a little bit more serious. As someone who has built their career on really going out to restaurants, trying the food, trying the experience, being there for the atmosphere, being there for the ambiance, and, and really like for, for the restaurant's sake, helping them get in front of more, more eyes because of the people who follow you, what has been the biggest change for you and this, this page during these challenging times and in this pandemic what has been that shift and how have you been trying to change the look of the page right now with all this going on yeah I mean it's it's hard because I 
am lucky enough to have really great relationships with a lot of chefs in the Boston area. And I've done this for so long and I see how hard they work. And it's been really, really just horrifying to see just how absolutely ruined this industry has been. And so, you know, on, on one hand, I've really done what I can to show people what's open, what's there, how you can help, you know, what to do right now. Um, and I have a highlight on my page that's been there kind of since April of last year and stuff. And then, you know, on the other hand, I need to continue to run a business. And so I've um, shifted gears a little bit to do more recipe content, which is something that, again, I was kind of focusing on my dad's mom, like my grandma's side. And so now I've kind of like shifted and I, I've been looking through a lot of the recipes that my other grandmother um, left and it's been really fun. And I, I haven't cooked in a long time um, this extensively. So I really do enjoy it, but I definitely continue and will continue to post restaurant content. And I think it's more important now than ever to, to support them in any way that you can. Absolutely. And like kind of coming from the restaurant side, like uh, with your relationships with these, these, these restaurants, and it's, it's just been so sad and disheartening seeing these family run favorites have to close their doors for the last time. Like what, what have you been seeing from, what have they been saying to you and like how, what are some ways that we can help uh, the, really any restaurant anywhere, but more specifically right now with the Boston area. Yeah. I mean, the best thing you can do is go. Yeah. And if you don't want to go, takeout is an option. Um, I know gift cards help really all they need is like money to get them there. And then once, you know, hopefully everything's normal again, they'll be able to, you know, be at full capacity and, and cut, go back to where they were, but it's definitely just staying in business. I mean, they have rent, they have to pay everyone working there. Like none of the chefs that I know have taken, you know, any money for themselves in probably a year, which I'm sure many people can relate to. It's like not a great time to be having no income. So mm. definitely any way you can financially support. And if you can't financially support, just getting the word out, like post, uh, you know, go to their page and post your story. Like this is my favorite restaurant in Boston. You know, you don't know who could be looking through that night and being like, oh, like I should order there. So yeah. No, I mean, I, I, we order takeout like at least two or three times a week because yeah. the food here is just unbeatable. I came from Southern California, but I, I still think the Boston food is way better. <laughs> you have, yeah, you guys have some good stuff, but, but Boston, I mean, it's been so cool that what's happened in the past 10 years has been unbelievable. It's really exciting. Agreed. Agreed. So let's give some, let's give some restaurant shout outs while, while we, while we're here with the expert, I have some, some, uh, some topics or some, some places that you want to to give some pointers or some places to go visit. If, if I want the, if some of the Boston's best, where would I go if I want a good cup of coffee? That's my favorite thing. George Howell is great. Um, Tate has some good stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've heard good things about Jaffa. Cafe Jaffa. Over, over by the Prudential Center, right? Huntington. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I've never been there, but I've heard good things. I've been trying not to do as much coffee, so that might not be like the best thing, but George Howell for sure. For okay. Sure. Okay. What are some of the best breakfast places? And we can kind of lump in brunch because right. I think that's a big uh, Boston Paramount. activity. Paramount. I've been going there forever. Um, that is like the best. If you're feeling savory, they have unbelievable huevos rancheros. And if you're feeling sweet, their bananas fosters French toast has no business being that good. Um, I like friendly toast. Um, Mistral has the best brunch in the city um oh my gosh so many good ones it's like <laughs> Rochambeau has a good brunch uh committee does as well they have a great shakshuka 
um, bagels, just like I'm, I'm transferring over to bagels. I don't know if you were going to ask me bagels, but um, I'm oh, yeah. bagels. We can, we can go bagel. to bagels. Yeah. The best bagel is Cafe Fresh in Needham. Thank you for asking, Jared. You're very welcome. Um, special shout out to Finagla Bagel, Bagel Store, and Rosenfeld's in Newton Center. Um, and I am like very snooty about bagels, so... Okay, well, I will, I will, I will second you on those, and I will raise you to Davis Square Coffee and Bagels. Have some unbelievable breakfast sandwiches. I'm gonna write it down. Is that yes? No, you are very, you're very, and while you're at it, because I'm, I'm in here in in Somerville. I got to rep the city while we're here. Um, Rosebud Cafe has an unbelievable brunch. Okay. And my, but you had the pie at Rosebud Cafe. I haven't. My girlfriend's gluten free, so we have to get selective on the desserts. Well, one day when she's away, you should go and get a slice. <laughs> I will. Um, and then I have to shout out the best breakfast in Somerville um, for me. Like the owner, Mike, is a is a gem. Um, it is a Ball Square Cafe. If you're yeah, ever in this, if you're, good. yes, such a good such a good breakfast and lunch spot. Yeah. All right. What about like a nice like we'll go a comfort dinner. So like not your upscale date night, but then we'll go kind of the date night vibe too as well. Hmm. So this is like casual, are we talking price or just? Just like, yeah, casual, like a casual vibe. Like when I'm thinking like a a like upscale date night and I'm not going to pick any specific, but like a a nice steakhouse or like that would be like a date night, but more of the casual is like. It's so funny because where I am now, it's like the thought of putting on jeans. I'm like, oh my God, that's (laughs) Like, or just quarantine jeans. in general, anyone yeah. putting on jeans. Yeah. Um, so casual to me is like sitting at home and eating on a styrofoam. But right, right. Um, casual, oh my God. I actually, I've been on nice dates at Trident. I've heard of that Street. one. It's like real, it's super cute. Um, oh my gosh, I'm really blanking. I mean, committee's always safe. It's a little more, you're going to get a little more dressed up, but I mm-hmm. think they're semi-casual and great. Um Oh my gosh. Honestly, best date is just go get a lobster roll at Hooks and eat it on the pier. I love it. I love it. I matchmaker, that would be my suggestion. (laughs) I'm a big fan of oh my goodness, I'm blanking. I'm totally blanking. I know it's overwhelming. I'm like the Rolodex of every restaurant. I'm like I'm totally blanking. Four point location and it's it's like a taco place. I'm or I'm totally blanking. Pink taco? What's that? Lolita, pink taco. Lolita's. Yes, Lolita. Lolita's. The cotton candy bomb at the end of dinner. The yeah. <laughs> the tequila over shaved ice bomb to start. <laughs> like it's it's a full experience. We absolutely loved it. Um, and then to cap it off, where are you going to de- where are you going for dessert other than um, rosebud pie? <laughs> I am going to committee to get the baklava cheesecake, which I am a very like. If it doesn't have chocolate, don't invite me for dessert. <laughs> okay. Very few desserts like that are exceptions and that is one of them it is so good and every time I go with anyone I tell them to have it and they're like oh, and then they're like oh my god <laughs> I um, love it I also love Tuscanini's for ice cream in Cambridge is great um oh my god I mean I love the at Duav he just got his original pastry chef back and she is unbelievable um, okay you think she makes and she actually during COVID has been making pints. They're called Giselle's Packed Pints. Okay. So really funky flavors of ice cream that you can get. They're like four or five dollars a pint. Well, we always love a good ice cream. And, and <laughs> you only you can only eat them by the pint at this point, right? That's what quarantine's for. Exactly. Yeah, 
yeah. I love it. I have to shout out a few because um, I used to live in Woburn, Mass, which was which was a, a trip. But um, something sweet without wheat probably has the the best gluten free bakery selections that I've found outside of the city. I know there are some great in the city. We're still trying to find them. Um, but and then my favorite ice cream that was up in Woburn was the daily scoop. Those that oh, was like, daily scoop. yes, bomb. Up in, yeah. yes, bomb. Exactly. And like the sizes and the portions for what you pay for were ridiculous. Yeah. Done Ridge? <laughs> no, I haven't. In Sharon or Bubbling Brook? No, I have. Woburn was a very like to work to home type of commute, but it had its gems. It had its gem. Yeah. So we're a big ice cream family. Like my oh. dad is like, there is not an ice cream. If my dad has not heard of it, it's not real. Like, so I, I know my ice cream. I love it. I love it. So besides Boston, right. Who like, you know, like who, who has the best food, uh, which, which city outside of Boston? Cause we're going to put Boston number one, but who has the best food outside of us? I, th- I think Chicago has an unbelievable food scene. Um, I mean, the Mexican and a lot of the sushi in California is mm-hmm. great, but I think Chicago's awesome and so underrated. Um, and obviously New York has amazing stuff. Um, I've never been to Austin, but I'm dying to go. I've heard they have a great food scene. And actually, I, there's a good food scene in Nashville as well. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a good food scene everywhere, right? I think, you know, if you got to some places, you might have to search more than others. But like every place that I've traveled to, I mean, sure, I'll hit up all the touristy spots, but yeah. food's, food's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also, I really like, I, my food does not have to be fancy. Like my food has to be I'm good. the same way. I, and it's, I feel like when I ask people where to go, they always give me these like white tablecloth places. And I'm like, no, I want someone's grandma to like grind brisket for me for like 10 mm-hmm. hours and I want it on like a paper plate I love it I love that eating out of the styrofoam takeout right, right. <laughs> my whole identity these days <laughs> so but I think this raises like a, a, a good follow-up question to that like especially here in Boston we've seen a lot of food creators and and travel like pages of content and I know you have like a, like a working relationship with a lot of those out there, but I think I'd be remiss not to ask, like, how do you kind of break through that noise of why do I, why should I follow this Boston foodie versus this Boston food page? And like, how does that work for you? How do you make sure you're not posting the same thing that someone's seeing on another person's page? Um, I mean, the cool thing is there's, I, and I do believe there's enough to go around. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many great restaurants. There's so many people doing great things. Like I don't feel competitive with these people. I, I feel really lucky that, you know, a, I've been doing this for so long that I have relationships with people um, in the industry, but also like a lot of the other food accounts and stuff are my dear friends. So I, you know, I, I, I think there's room to follow everyone. And I guess, you know, the one, again, the one way I differentiate myself is me. Um, so I hope that I'm enjoyable enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I work hard on my content. I, I try to please as many people as I can without selling out. Um, but I would never post anything that I don't stand by or think is good. So I think that's a reason to follow. I agree. I, one of the, my favorite Q&A sessions that you did was someone asked you, like, do you really try everything that you post? And you're like, yeah, why would I post it? <laughs> you're like obviously I tried it never been an issue like I don't understand the question (laughs) I I might not finish it because I would be physically ill and I wouldn't even be able to like 
sit on a couch, but right. I've tried everything. I posted a hundred percent. Yeah. Like there's, there's this like eight layer cake that you posted. It's like, I'm sorry. I couldn't finish this whole thing, but yeah, I definitely okay, tried way, it. I know what cake you're talking about. And I did finish that. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. I love it. We're going to take a quick break from this interview to hear from our new sponsors over at IPS Surf and Water Sports. This new partnership I'm so stoked about, IPS Surf is an exclusive water sport complex located right on Long Lake in the beautiful lake region of Maine. They offer personalized instruction for a variety of different water sports, including wake surfing, water skiing, and many more. Originally from Westford, Massachusetts, founder and world champion wake surfer Ian Scott found his love and passion for water sports at a very early age. He's dedicated to sharing his years of action sport wisdom with his clients and unlocking that true potential in people that they didn't even realize they had. Guys, entering a new element, especially the water, for many people can be an intimidating journey. So IPS Surf is here to provide a safe and specialized instruction to ensure their customers leave with a smile on their face and that feeling of accomplishment. With professional and qualified instructors, best-in-class towboats, and equipment, IPS Surf is more than ready to host you and your crew out on the lake this summer. It's just two and a half hours north of Boston, and to show our appreciation to our listeners, IPS Surf will be offering two very, very sick packages. We're going to have the normal guy package, and we're going to have the lazy eye package. So let me tell you about these. All right, so the normal guy package. You're going to get 20% off a two-hour individual session. So you can bring yourself and one of your friends with an IPS surf uh, instructor. This is more for the people that are really have an appetite to learn. The normal guy package gives you the best opportunity to focus and improve your skills out on the water. This two-hour session will allow you for that ultimate one-on-one time with a professional instructor centralized on your development. Now, the lazy eye package. This is going to be your squad package. This is going to give you 20% off a full day. That's six hours out on the lake with your squad. You could bring eight, nine, ten of your closest friends. It's a perfect way to get the whole crew out there enjoying the magic of what IPS Surf has to offer. The Lazy Eye Session will include everything you need for an exceptional day out on the lake with over seven different water sports to choose from. Guys, seven different water sports. You're going to be able to mix and match with your favorite activities for the perfect session you have been dreaming about. We have all been dreaming about what next summer is going to look like. This is an excellent idea for any family or friends outings, birthdays. It's just the perfect day out on the lake. And if you haven't seen any footage of like what IPS surf has to offer. Let me try and paint this picture. So one of the sports that they offer is called wake surfing, which is one of the coolest things that I've ever seen down on the lake. It's an endless wave created by the boat. And it basically allows you to surf this like clean and customizable wave with nothing directly attaching you to the boat. So they offer this, like, it's just this, like you're, you're surfing. Like I'm a SoCal kid. You're out there surfing, but you're out on the lake. They also have your favorites, including like water skiing and wakeboarding. They also offer more of those like technical sports for more of our advanced folks looking to step up their adventure game here, which is like barefoot skiing. You've seen those videos on on Instagram, wake kiting and surface latest phenomenon, hydrofoiling. So don't just take my word for it. Go visit IPS Surf and Water Sports up in Brigton, Maine, just two and a half hours from Boston to see for yourselves what the hype is all about. Go follow them on Instagram at IPS Surf and go over to IPSSurf.com to book those sessions. Now back to the interview. So so shifting gears to traveling here for a little bit, obviously pre-COVID, 
you had worked with a lot of larger named hotels, the Ritz-Carlton, the James Hotels, the uh, Peninsula Hotels. Can you kind of take us through the interactions that you've had with these bigger corporations, these larger chains? Like, what is the end goal for them with working with you? And kind of what's obviously from your side, what's the goal for you working with them? Yeah, um, I think these brands are really looking again for people that have connections with their audience. They want I mean, they're always looking, their ultimate goal, I guess, is for someone to stay in the hotel, which makes sense. And my ultimate goal is to create great content and be a good recommendation. So I really do think it's a symbiotic relationship. Obviously, there can be an exchange, like they can pay me to come or the exchange can just be a free room. um, And that differs. But I really think um, a ton of different things can be in it for me. Ultimately, again, I want the content. Um, Mm -hmm. That's number one. But number two, I mean, if I'm, if I know I'm going to a city and I look up some hotels or I get recommendations from people, that's a great way for me to, you know, just create a better highlight or a better guide of the entire city. And I think that, you know, I have pitches that I've used forever and I have a media kit and I send it out and I have PR firms that I'm really comfortable with that have hotel chains um, in different areas that like I'll go to first, but yeah, I mean. And that's a great answer. I, I, I like, honestly, this is kind of an area that I haven't seen before and and i'm i'm in, i'm i'm intrigued you know i want to ask the questions so i i totally understand so but on top of that like do you have maybe like well i don't want to say what's the best place because i think that's just the like a cliche but if you could put like a mount rushmore together of the of your top four what have been those top four places that you've visited do you mean hotels or just locations locations we'll go with locations and do you want them to be like like collabs like places that I worked with the city or just places that I've been well yeah whatever whatever you want to do whatever you want to do this is this is your podcast (laughs) in my life I loved Iceland I thought it was so cool um it was unlike anywhere else I'd ever been and once you're there it's weirdly expensive (laughs) <laughs> but like I was not expecting it to be that expensive but yeah. it cost me like $300 to get there um, right and then once you're there it's like $300 right. a day but it was also $25 for a bowl of soup I'll never forget that in my life oh but, my um, goodness <laughs> yeah I know I was like oh. but it was awesome it was very cool and um I was with a dear friend from college who was way better with money than I am so she was like no Lena we don't have to like go to the like expensive spa the ice bar right 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 um so iceland was awesome and i recommend that um i mean i'm a sucker for italy the food is just unbelievable right Um, this is hard i also i i love barcelona i really do and that's another place that can be really inexpensive to get to Mm -hmm. um and it's kind of great all year long but in the u.s just new orleans if you've never been to new orleans go to New Orleans. I need to get out there. Yeah, that's definitely on the list. And they're cool because everywhere in the country, like you can get good Italian food in yep. a lot of different cities around the world. You don't need to go to Italy. You can go to New York, you can go to Boston, you can go to Chicago. Um, mm. You can't get like Creole food like that anywhere else in the world. It's it's such an anomaly and it's so good. And the culture is so, it's, it's the best. Yeah. Um, so I recommend going there. Chicago also, if you haven't. And 
Nashville. Those those are like three that have definitely been on my list, and I've interviewed people from all three of those areas, and they just it just makes me so jealous that I, I need to get out there for sure. <laughs> um, going off of that, like obviously when you're on these trips, you know, as anyone has travel issues come about, whether it's weather on the trip or it's you know flights get canceled. As a content creator that's kind of, to me, it seems like that might be like a worse nightmare. It's like what, like what you had planned for that day for the content that you want to create might not be the, you know, how it ends up happening. Like what, what kind of ways do you pivot during those types of, of those experiences and what do you do to kind of mitigate those, those uh, situations? Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things I've learned is you have to be quick on your feet. There are yeah. definitely times where I would stick to an itinerary and then I'd like spiral if that wasn't what happened. And I think one of the great things is you need to remember that that happens to everyone when they're traveling. So let's say you plan to do this whole outdoor thing and it rains, like what else can I show you for when it rains if you're there? And so I think, you know, I've, I've definitely learned how to roll with the punches more and there's always something to do. And there's, there's always ways to, to be helpful and, and find something to do as anyone would if they were in a city. I mean, luckily you can get food lots of places and, and food is normally indoors, obviously (laughs) right now when you like literally can't go inside, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, there's lots, I mean, when I was in Milan, it literally rained the whole time and everything I had planned was outside. But so we ended up going through that big famous mall on the plaza and we ate at every single oh gelato place inside and did like a taste test. And people were like, this was great. And I was like, this was great for me too. So <laughs> I got gelato. I'm, right. I'm, I'm a happy person. Exactly. Do you have a, uh, a f- like, what's your first spot post COVID when this is all done? Where do you want to go? Oh my, anywhere. I'm like, <laughs> I like go from my apartment to my parents and I'm like, I should get dressed up. Like, <laughs> I go to the grocery store. I'm like, I need to look good. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Japan has been on my list forever. Um, and I haven't made it there. So I'm, I'm really hoping to get there soon. I'd love to do Africa, but once this is over, like anywhere I will go anywhere yeah yeah <laughs> it looks like we won't be getting a lot of Boston content yeah. right away well, I, have a, I have a lot saved up luckily good 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 <laughs> but yeah I, if you need to see me in person I might not be there <laughs> I love it I love it um so kind of going back to content creation and, and you've been doing this for five six years now right and and you know we'll say in like 2015 Instagram was, I don't want to call it at its peak, but it definitely wasn't the new app. It wasn't the new app of social media. It definitely had its its kind of uh, footprint in the social media realm. But what has been that biggest change that you've seen in social media and content creation over call it the last five years? Just the, I mean, the, the biggest thing for me has been the video content. I've no, you know, that's the, the thing that everyone is pushing now. And obviously that's TikTok is there's no photos. So that's a platform that's exclusively video. And, you know, I, I have a really good relationship with the Instagram team and I do some beta testing groups with them and some of the people that are high up there and kind of what everyone recognizes is you need to get with the trends if you want people to stay on the app. And I think that's, you know, Facebook is kind of a dead platform and that is because they wouldn't get with the times at all. And so I think Instagram is really um, conscientious about catering to what people are looking for and that's video content so that's why they added reels that's why you know they're pushing IGTV um so that's definitely the biggest shift in just general content I think the biggest shift um in 
just overall Instagram, my life, what my work is just not the saturation, but just how much else there is out there. Um, It's like, it's so funny. It's like, it's so hard to be different and not be trendy and not, because the last thing I want to do is, and what I say to people all the time, because they're like, I want to go viral. Yeah. But if you go viral doing something that you didn't really enjoy, it's like, you're going to have to keep doing that and it's not enjoyable. So it's a right. hard medium of like, I want to cater to these people. I want new followers. I want them, you know, I want to continue to grow, but at the same time, I don't want to like make the quesadilla hack. <laughs> I don't, I'm sorry. I don't, I never did. Um, and like, and listen, where's your feta, where's your feta cheese recipe? Come on. Where's I, your feta- I it was really good. It was, it was very good. good. We did yeah. it too. Very good. Yeah. 10 out of 10 no, would awesome. recommend. And that's the thing. I, I have, it's awesome. Like yeah. I love, and I think it also pushes creativity, which is cool. Like the competition yeah. pushes creativity a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's awesome. Um, but I do think a lot of things are trendy and they're not necessarily good. And I learned a long time ago that you can get really far doing that, but it's not sustainable and it's not enjoyable. No, you're, you you bring up a great point. Like, this is a dumb analogy, but like if I'm going viral on TikTok because I don't know how to ride a skateboard and I keep falling off a skateboard, then I have to continuously fall off a skateboard right. and that is not enjoyable. Exactly. That's not what I want to do. That's not who I want to be. If I'm known as the guy who continuously falls off a skateboard, that's yeah. not a fun page to be on. But to your point, you know, people want to go viral, but you have to, it, it comes with, with, I don't want to say patience, but you kind of have to, you know, see what sticks and whether yeah. it is following a trend one or two times, but you gotta, you gotta create your own space. Right. I think. Or, right. or do a spin on it. Um, yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I, again, I'm really lucky that I have great relationships with a lot of other um, food accounts in the industry and for brands and PR firms are finally at a place where they recognize that your number isn't everything. The amount mm-hmm. of followers you have is so f- far from not being the whole picture. It's unbelievable. And not even just the concept that like you can buy likes and buy followers, but if you really do have a million followers, but they're not engaging and it's not relevant to them, how is that helpful for a brand? So I think if you're creating good content that they can a whitelist and use on their own platforms, that's appealing. If you have 5,000 followers, 1,000 followers, but you're Boston-based and all 1,000 of them are in Boston, that's great. That's a right. really great opportunity for them to get, you know, needle exactly who they're looking for. And so I think like, don't get bogged down with the virality and the follower count and the like count, because like, if you're creating good content and you're being authentic, it, it will shine through. I, I agree with that statement wholeheartedly. Like I, this podcast is not the Joe Rogan experience, right? But I've had incredible conversations with you and others and people are genuinely enjoying that and enjoying like, I am just a normal guy with a lazy eye getting to connect with these incredible individuals, hearing these incredible stories of, of how they've gotten to where they are. And I've had a blast doing it. And that's yeah. what makes it enjoyable. And like maybe one day, one day that viral bug will happen. But right now I'm enjoying it. I'm liking the path that I'm on and I, and I wouldn't change it for the world. So I'm 100% with you on the, 
if you have 450 followers, if you have 4.5 million followers, I think the engagement matters and engaging back with that following too, or those followers is super important. Yeah. And again, and, and I mean, at the same time, like it helps for anyone listening for you to engage with my content. That's helpful. And I do show insights and there needs to be some sort of back and forth, but I was just as happy doing this four years ago as I am now. And the only time I'm not happy is when I'm just so focused on, you know, that numbers game and, and kind of just growing versus having great content. And I feel like you can kind of tell when it's like, not, I'm not as psyched about it. Yeah, I hear you. And, and we all have those days. I mean, it doesn't matter what you do in life. Right? Right. If you're a content creator, if you're a salesperson, if you're whatever, everyone has those days, 100%. Yeah. What, going off of that, what would you say, I think this is a question that you've answered in, in some Q and A's, but I think it's, it's kind of interesting to bring up. What would you say is the hardest part about your job? I think probably the lack of structure. Um, you know, I can remember interning and looking in the mirror at eight o'clock in the morning and being like, I do not want a boss. It's just not for me. And so I don't, I'm my own boss. And in a lot of ways, that's awesome because if I want to take time off, I take time off, but on the other side, there's no one telling me what to do and I'm not reporting to anyone. So I think the hardest part for me is just remembering, like doing everything in a timely manner and recognizing that like I need to self-motivate in a way like my paycheck depends on absolutely no one but me. Yeah. Getting everything done depends on absolutely no one but me. So I think, you know, that's, it's a motivator, but it's, it's overwhelming and it's definitely the hardest part. I, I, yeah, I think, you know, being, being your own boss is definitely, uh, has its perks, but at the, um, you know, at the same side, it's like, you're your own boss. So yeah, you can exactly make your own hours. And if you're not doing the hours, you're not getting, and, and you're the not getting paid. And nine to five. I mean, it's, it's, it's 24 hours. There's always something that I could be doing, which is overwhelming. Um, and obviously I need to take time for myself, but, um, yeah. And then, you know, people think like, it's not, I'm not just taking photos and posting them on Instagram all day. There's a clerical aspect to this. There's an accounting aspect to this. There's a pitching aspect to this. There's a editing aspect to this. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot to fit into a day. I, I agree completely. Like, and, and social media is, is not a nine to five in, in any industry. Like if someone's on Instagram 20, like there's people on Instagram 24 hours a day. Yeah. No question. So about I know it. a lot of big brands, like it's hourly, sh- it's shifts. Yeah. Like, people that run um unilever mm-hmm. the, the girl was like oh i i'm on it for four hours and then someone else is on it for four hours and it's like it, it's not yeah yeah i mean can you imagine having that graveyard shift from you know <laughs> like 1 a.m to 4 a.m well i don't but... know if one in like india maybe got food poisoning and they're gonna attack you online so you exactly have <laughs> you have to be ready you have to be ready at all times it's it's, it's crazy and i think another part of a uh, kind of another aspect of social media is influencer marketing for lack of a better term. And, and on this podcast, we've talked about it from the business side, right? How businesses attract, you know, or kind of get into the influencer marketing realm, but I'm kind of interested to see it from the creator side, right? Like something that I love about your page is your authenticity. And we've talked about it um, and, and kind of being true to yourself. Right. But I think a lot of times, and I'm not like, you know, this is just kind of, on the content creation side as a whole, people don't like a sponsored post. Like, right. I think that can go without saying, but how do you figure out the people that I'm partnering with for the sponsored post or for this, whatever it is, are people that I like, it's a product or service that I enjoy, or I can back 
and it's going to help shine through to my followers. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's another, I was really lucky that I started when I was in college and that I kind of lived at home and I had that time where I wasn't solely focused on making money because you get so many offers um, that are lucrative, but it hurts you in the end. And I made so many mistakes at the beginning um, where I just took these big deals and then I would lose all these followers and be like, well, that was a bummer, but it's like, yeah, because that was stupid and Mm -hmm. gross and no one (laughs) thought. So I really do try, I do not engage with a brand um, if I wouldn't eat it myself, if I wouldn't want to see it on someone else's page. Um, Obviously there are some things like if I think it's relevant to people, but I don't personally use it, I'll post that as well. Like if a, if a major chain is doing something that I know a lot of people like that I don't personally love, 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 I would still consider posting it if I think I can be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, again, you, you touched upon just being really open about the fact that it is an ad. I think it, it makes me angry even. I do it. Like I create you know, paid advertisements, but when I see on other people's page, when they're like burying the hashtag ad, and you're like, just be up about it. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, I, so yeah, I mean, I, I totally respect why it kind of adds an air of, you know, is this really real? Um, and there's so many people that are doing such a not great job that yeah. it makes you question. I, I completely respect that. But I also do know a lot of people that really do only collaborate with brands that they would use on their own. And I've been really lucky that you know, some of these brands that I use, I just reached out to on my own and I'm like, Hey, I love you guys. I would love to partner together to do like a year contract. You know, what do you want to do? And it's been great. Yeah. And I think like it goes back to not only the, the creator that's posting the ad or collabing with the corporation, but I think the company is also at a, like at a, in a position to tell, like tell the creator, do what you want. It's your, it's your followers like we have these talking points that we want you to kind of get at, or at least like, this is kind of what we want the picture to look like, but everyone can read like to your point earlier, like everyone knows when it's a sponsored post. So just kind of having that, like, well, there is that hint of East coast, feast coast in there, or there is that hint of Lena in there. So I know like she actually really enjoys this product or she actually enjoys this food or whatever it is. Like that's where people are like, Oh, scroll, you know? And that's another time when unfortunately there are some brands that I like but I just have to say no because they're giving me such little creative freedom that it just it it won't reflect well on either of us and then it's pointless for them and it's pointless for me so I definitely you know having giving someone creative freedom and letting them have their own voice is I I always think it's you know necessary absolutely so kind of excuse me talking about um you know who you are and and how you've gotten to where you are you know I think another thing that's important for content creators and influencers, whatever kind of terminology you want to use to have a sort of a personal brand. And I think what's interesting about your page is East coast feast coast is not your personal Instagram, right? How, like in how you, you've talked about making sure that Lena shows through an East coast feast coast, but how do you kind of marry the two? And then on the same, like in the same question, right? Like how do you know when it's, this needs to be Lena and just Lena and not, East Coast, Feast Coast, or vice versa. This just has to be about the food or about the post. Yeah, I get that question a lot. There's nothing sneaky on my personal. You can follow me. (laughs) I follow you back. Like, it's genuinely just pictures of me and my grandma that I don't think 
are necessary for East Coast Beast Coast Speed. Um, I think, you know, again, I, I want to give as much as myself as much of myself as I can. There are some boundaries where, you know, I, I don't want to put my whole life on my story. And some people do Agreed. that and it's awesome. Um, but I like to have some boundaries. Um, but for the most part, like I also think that people like sharing and I like sharing and I like feeling I I can't stand when you go to someone's stories all the time and they look amazing all the time and it seems like they're always doing something really cool like obviously people don't want to watch me sitting at home watching the office for the 8 million 75th time but <laughs> sometimes it's nice to be like yeah I'm not doing anything either like yeah I'm not traveling right now I'm not eating at a nice restaurant I'm just like making Annie's mac and cheese and watching the office as well and I think that that's relatable and you know it it it's just nice to see sometimes that you know you're not the only one just like going through it I agree. And like one of the things that we have brought up on the show with Ethan Frame recently was like, we do like following the untouchables. And in that sense, I mean, like, you know, the, the ones that have millions upon millions of followers, and it does feel like they have that perfect life because sometimes that kind of nice escape, but like for our mental health aspect, like it can be so, so it can be, it can be horrible in terms of like, why is my not, life not like that? And right. I think having, content creators like yourself that do show the, Hey, like, you know, here I am at my grandma's house right. eating Auntie Anne's watching yeah. that office is like a reality check for the follower being like, okay, they're human. Yeah. And by the way, like I, I'm not in those groups at all, but I've been at weird things where some of those people are there and they're not happy. So you right. don't feel unhappy because they're not happy either. I agree. I, I think like, I think in anyone's social media, no matter how many followers you have, this is what you like in the, the whole circle of life that you have. The thing that you post on Instagram is that tiny little yeah. eye of, or pupil of what, what people want to see. Right. So w- kind of big picture here. And, and hopefully when, when COVID's all done, you know, you and I, we can go get Tate or we can bring the cheese board over for the bachelor and we can get you hooked on the show. Yeah. But what, <laughs> where do you see the future of East coast, Feast coast, the page, the brand headed in the, in the near future? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I, you know, I, I love what I do. Um, but I love, we're like helping the brands and I've always I mean I, I as you said I have a background in PR and advertising and I have a journalism degree and I love working with brands and helping them grow and I, I would love to do a little more on the consulting side I do a little bit now but that's something that um, really interests me and just finding ways to connect people with brands um, in a way that feels authentic in a way that resonates with people I think ads are so powerful and everyone thinks they're not affected like that they personally are not affected by them everyone is affect- affected by them like I can't tell you how many people were like oh my god if I see one more ad for an only pan like, do you know how many people bought an only pan last one last month I mean it's crazy and so that that's the kind of stuff that really interests me um but for right now I'm really happy traveling and I'm really happy eating and <laughs> I, I will continue to do that as long as I can it's the life. It's the life. I got to tell you. And like going back to your, the only pan thing, like, or an air fryer or a mini right. waffle maker to do the quesadilla on or right. whatever, you know, like it's, it's, it, you know, the ads are the ads, but man, are they influential? Like I'll, I'll sit here and tell you right now, this is not an ad at all. Like I'm not sponsored by these people whatsoever. I saw for the millionth time, a magic spoons, Instagram ad for that cereal. And I just, I was like, 
they got me. This is it. Like I did it. And I bought $40 worth of cereal and I, I, I you got me. There you go. Magic spoons. I, I haven't had it yet. So I, that was premature me, premature of me to say, like I bought it. It's still it's shipping. It should be here next Thursday. So but- I'm going to be totally candid too and be completely honest, but they just sent me some. Oh, not just, but like, I didn't pay for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, two of them were really good. So there were only four flavors when they reached out to me. It was like chocolate, fruity, peanut butter. Blueberry. the peanut butter wasn't out. Okay. And something else. Chocolate was awesome. Blueberry was not. Okay. Um, yeah, they're good. They're good. Okay. I'm a big cereal person and I can crush like a box. Yep. Um, I'm there. So it's expensive, but if it, you know. It's healthier than, you know. Yeah, than, than your Lucky Charms. A shout out Lucky Charms, but, you know, sometimes shout we got... Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Ooh, that, that's a dangerous comment. Like, I was the kid that never got to have sugary cereals growing up. So, like, now that I'm 23 and I have my own apartment, I can do that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you know about my Magic yeah. Spoons review. I'll, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll post that on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> This has been an absolute blast, Lena. I've had a blast getting to chat with you. Um, we do have one final question for you that we ask all of our guests, and I'm interested to hear your answer here. You obviously have a lot more to do. You have a lot more to give to society. But if you were to write your autobiography today, what would be the title of it and why? Fake it till you make it, colon, the Lena Sternberg story. And that is because, not because I'm fake, but because this was not an industry that existed. And this was something that I don't have a mentor. I don't have anyone that's showing me what to do because it's such a new concept. So essentially when I'm doing things, I'm just pretending like it's the right way to do them until I figure out what truly is the right way. And that can be something that can be applied to everyone's life. I think you have broken the record for the fastest response to that question. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm not even kidding. All the time, so. I love that. I'm like, I'm not even kidding. Like, Maybe one other person answered it faster, but usually you have like, a, we have like a good 10 to 15 second, like, okay. oh, like I have <laughs> well, to answer originally, that. So originally I would always say I was going to write a book and the title was going to be mom. You can't zoom in on Instagram, <laughs> but then Instagram made it so you could. So I was like, well, this is going to date me. So now it's just fake. It. <laughs> I love that. Or um, <laughs> like that's perfect. Maybe you can do uh, no mom. The picture disappears forever. Yeah. Mom, it's, it's only up to 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or it's a, it's a Snapchat. You have to come here fast. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, Lena, this is, again, this has been an absolute blast. I really appreciate you coming on. I wish you all the best and can't wait to connect with you when you're back in Boston and this is all over. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll definitely keep in touch. Yes. Well, hopefully you didn't listen to that interview right before dinner, but Nonetheless, big thank you to Lena for coming on this week's show, sharing a lot more about her story, uh, the brand behind the brand, essentially, and and sharing a lot about Boston's finest and some of the world's finest. I'm so jealous of all the places that she's been. There's definitely a few spots on my uh, list now, thanks to Lena. So again, big shout out to her. I'll make sure to leave all things East Coast, Feast Coast, and Lena in the description of this week's podcast. Be sure to go check it out. Thank you guys so much for continuing your support of this podcast. It would not be the same without you. I am just constantly blown away by the amount of support that you guys have given the show. So big thank you to you guys. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, be sure to go follow us on Instagram at normalguylazyeyes so you can see some of the clips that I really enjoyed from the each episode. 
I'll be sure to leave that in the description of this week's podcast. And that does it for all the shameless plugs here on the show. Big thank you again, and I will see you all next week.